Hello, everyone. Welcome to Just Jana, a podcast where each month I'll speak to a variety of industry leaders to bring you education, trends, and relevant topics in franchising. I'm your host, Jana Bailey, CEO of FranNet. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Just Jana. I'm thrilled to have Matt Howler with us. Of course, he needs no introduction if you're in the franchise industry, but I'm going to give a little bit of background, and I'm going to ask Matt to fill in the blanks. Matt has been a key member at IFA for over 12 years now, and he was recently, I guess, what was it, Matt, when you were actually promoted to CEO and president? When was that? That was June of 2021. Wow, coming up on two years. I know, it's crazy. Primarily before that time at IFA, um, I mean, while at the IFA, you were heavily involved in the advocacy, um, the government relations. Is that correct? Yes, I was leading government affairs for six or seven years before that. Yeah, I, so I knew seen, that had been seen a lot. Yeah. So with those 12 years at IFA, and you know, that's what is I always reflect on. I've been with FranNet 17 years this year. And it feels like you've been at IFA as long as I've been with FranNet, but it's just because you came on in such a key role. So Matt, if you'll tell everybody about your history prior to IFA and then what brought you to IFA. Yeah. So it came to uh IFA from another trade association in the pharmaceutical industry and had spent uh, a good number of years uh, before that at uh, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, which is a big organization, represents the entirety of the business community. Um, And prior to that was with uh, UPS uh, in their government affairs, corporate public affairs uh, office here in in D.C. So um, my career's always been on uh, the outside of government, but uh, influencing and affecting Kind of government policy on behalf of uh, a particular um, industry or uh, or business. That's that's amazing to me. So, how did the opportunity at the IFA present itself? Yeah, I had a friend who worked here, and um, I don't know if you remember Victoria Adams. Uh, she I handled do. Fran Fran Pack uh, back in the day, and our then new CEO um, was seeking somebody to handle public affairs communications. Um, for the organization. And, you know, I was looking to transition out of the role that I was in, um, in the healthcare pharmaceutical space, um, into something that sort of was a little bit more meaningful to me personally. Mm -hmm. Um, And I didn't know a heck of a lot about franchising. I think like a lot of people uh, that I've met in my now 12 years in, in in representing franchising, uh, it kind of finds you at some moment in your life. (laughs) Um, and I know that's a common refrain in, in what you do and your team does, uh, Jana, uh, around the country, helping put people into business um, and find, you know, we may have never thought about it. Uh, obviously, I wasn't put into business in franchising, but uh, the, the, the ability to represent an industry and a business model that, you know, really is, is so more meaningful in, in, in different ways, not, not, that, not to sort of disparage the pharmaceutical industry, but um, <laughs> it's just a different, uh, it's just a different form of advocacy. 
uh, and, and I just, you know, really enjoyed it. Obviously, um, it's meant a lot to me and, you know, my family and my growth, um, at the IFA and within franchising. Um, and so I, I always tell people when I give talks or, you know, do things like this, uh, it's not that this job is easy, but the members and who I get to represent makes it easier than people who have this type of a role, uh, in other industries, because, mm-hmm. you know, we have assets to work with. We have, you know, franchisees in every state and congressional district who are, you know, really the American dream. And, uh, you know, what's, why wouldn't government want to kind of protect and preserve that? Um, it's not to say we don't have our problems and our challenges, um, but, you know, on balance, we've got a lot of great things to work with. So that's one way that it's been a very rewarding experience uh, getting to do what I do. Yeah. Franchising kind of gets in your blood after a while, I think, and it's hard to leave. So um, speaking of the advocacy and, and, you know, the people around the country, did I see you were just in Texas this last week or so? Yeah. Earlier this week, just got back last night. Um, We've been, um, you know, the job I had before was mostly a, you know, you're reacting to things that government is um, sort of throwing at you and, you know, responding to a law or a bill or a regulation. Um, and I still have a, a, a role in that. Obviously, that's a big component of what IFA still does and the government relations team does every single day. Uh, but one of the things that we wanted to do, that I've always wanted to do uh, with this organization is, you know, how can we be more proactive um, in building relationships and building awareness um, and improving the reputation of franchising? Um, in, in a more deep and meaningful way. Um, and, you know, really building friends and allies before you need them. Um, and what that led to was, uh, what you're referring to now, Jenna, Mm -hmm. is this open for opportunity campaign, uh, that we launched in September of 2021. Um, and the campaign is really, uh, about it's, it's built on research and data that, um, we worked on a franchise census as we called it. Um, with Oxford Economics, a, a world-class consulting firm, uh, to highlight the ways that fra- the, 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 the title of the study is the value of franchising. Wow. Um, but the whole idea is, um, you know, how do we get out of the talking to ourselves mode that franchising mm-hmm. is very good at? Um, we love to meet uh, with each other um, and learn from each other. And that's all great uh, in terms of, you know, best practice sharing and, and all that. But you know, there's a whole world outside uh, that, you know, may have a perception or in many cases, a misperception of how franchising works or doesn't work um, and doesn't create value for, you know, brands, for franchisees and for employees. And a lot of our, our, our policy battles have been centered around kind of the impacts um, of the business model on uh, the workforce. And we always knew anecdotally, there were a lot of great stories, you know, probably great stories about people who worked their way from, you know, employee to owner. Um, but we'd never put data around that and we'd never created a concerted, um, effort to go tell that story. So part of the the campaign, which was predicated on this research was let's go into the field and, you know, let's get out and make sure we're telling this story and doing it with, you know, local and federal policymakers with local media. Um, let's build some additional, um, allies, um, who can be voices on behalf of the franchise business model. Um, other, you know, state and local trade associations like um, diversity groups or veterans groups, uh, members of academia um, who 
you know, have, you know, a, bring a different perspective, but can be kind of a force multiplier for us um, in uh, getting that message out. So that's what we've been doing for the last 18 months is going around the country to different markets, some that are like Texas, you know, very hot markets for franchising. And Texas is the number one state for franchise growth in 2023. And, you know, that's kind of an easier market for us to be convening franchisors and franchisees with policymakers that are, you know, already supportive of what we do, but then also go into markets like Minneapolis, St. Paul, where we do have a good, robust franchise community, but, you know, it's a much more uh, progressive city in terms of public policy uh, or places like California, where, you know, we've been facing a lot of political headwinds and policy headwinds. Uh, and, and, you know, the, you gotta be, you gotta be on offense and that's really what this, uh, what this campaign, um, is all about. Um, I think one of the things that's been really rewarding about it above and beyond just the, you know, the relationships we've built with, with elected officials and some of the media that we've generated in support of, uh, franchising and in support of our members is just the member engagement aspect of it. Um, existing members that, you know, when you go to the IFA convention, sure, there's 4,000 plus people there. Uh, but, you know, Janet, it's impossible to see everybody there and really spend meaningful time with people. Uh, and, you know, being in our members' markets in a proactive and intentional way uh, and being able to be around the table with, you know, 15 or 20 people to have a roundtable conversation about some, some real issues um, and just, you know, kind of break bread with people that you've not done, been able to do that with before. Uh, you know, it, it makes it a lot easier to draw on them and um, when we need them in, in, in future ways. Uh, and just it's a relationship industry. Uh, so that's really you know, a big component of of my job and the job of uh, my team at the IFA. Thanks, Matt. I, I've been very impressed with the initiative and, and what we've seen happen as a result, like you said, those in those individual markets. So speaking of challenges that we may face or not face. I'd like to get your perspective on the what you foresee for 2023. We've got the first quarter behind us. We were, you know, started into the second quarter. What do you see on the horizon for the industry? Yeah, well, our I'll go back to the data um, to, to at least start. Um, so we work with Fran Data. Um, I'm sure you've probably had Daryl or Edith or one of their team on your podcast before. We um, have. They're great industry research partners and, you know, the research that uh, they do for the IFA um, ever, at the beginning of every year was just released at the end of March. Uh, and it shows that we'll see about 1.9% um, establishment growth uh, in 2023. Uh, that's going to be driven by uh, the quick service restaurant industry and uh, the commercial and residential services industry, um, followed by personal service. So that's where we see um, you know, growth coming from, um, we're not immune in franchising from some of the, you know, macroeconomic things that are impacting, you know, the entire, uh, business community around, uh, labor market, um, availability and, you know, labor inflation, uh, as well as broader, you know, inflationary pressures that are out there. But what we also have found is in, in the franchise community, we're, we're more insulated, um, than other types of, uh, small businesses. And I think, uh, you know, we also are benefiting in in terms of lead flow uh, from you know a lot of a lot of layoffs that are happening in corporate America, um, and that's helping drive um, you know potential franchisees. Um, that being said, uh, you know there's there's a lot of headwinds and a lot of uncertainty out there, and I'm sure that you all um, in the in the Frannet community uh, are seeing this. Um, it's still taking people 
a bit longer than maybe the last five years to kind of fully make the commitment and decision that they want to pursue um, yes, a franchise opportunity. Um, you know, obviously the banking, uh, I'm, I'm told not to call it a crisis. Um, I'm told that the uh, banking turmoil um, that we're mm-hmm. seeing uh, is not having an impact in, right now in the actual deal flow, um, but it is having, I think, an impact kind of, you know, reputationally or atmospherically in terms of, you know, things that are happening that are on people's minds that, mm-hmm. you know, create um, anxiety or, or apprehension about, you know, making a big financial commitment to pursue, you know, a, a franchise opportunity. Um, you know, last year we had the, you know, the war um, in, in Ukraine and, you know, a, you know, a midterm election, um, you know, and a lot of other kind of socio-economic, political, you know, things. That's just, I think that's just the new norm, um, mm-hmm. you know, in the, you know, post-Donald Trump era um, or that, that everything has become more politicized. And, you know, that is just the world that we live in today. Um, and all these things, I think, just are weighing on people in ways that, that, that drive decisions. Um, so I think that's going to continue to be with us uh, for the foreseeable future. Um, you know, I think the benefit of that, though, is, you know, the cream rises to the top, right? I mean, it does. You know, good brands uh, that have, you know, good teams and good performance are able to uh, kind of thrive and double down. Um, and, you know, it has the, you know, I don't say the benefit, but, um, you know, there, there, are, um, there are businesses out there that, you know, maybe shouldn't be franchises. And, um, you know, that, that, that is not necessarily a bad thing. I know that's not a, um, always a popular thing to say in franchising, but um, it's something that, that we are focused on at the IFA is trying to improve franchising. And I think sometimes when you get into a, an economic environment that's, you know, a little bit tougher, um, you know, it can, it can, it can force, you know, everybody to focus on, on the basics again. And, you know, that's, that's really important for having a healthy channel of commerce in, in, in the franchise model. Agree. Totally. So you've talked about some of the headwinds and the challenges. What do you see is the biggest challenge that's facing franchising this year, franchisors in particular? Well, I, I think that the biggest thing right now is the, We've, we've, we've never seen the role of government play a bigger role um, in the franchise model. Um, and you don't have to look any you know, further than three mm-hmm. weeks ago when the Federal Trade Commission uh, you know, announced that they are now um, looking into the, the franchise relationship. So we've always you know, worked closely with the FTC um, and you know, strongly support the role that they play on the disclosure side um, in terms of you know, the FDD and requiring, um, you know, brands and, you know, to the degree that they require it, um, you know, franchisees to understand, you know, their obligations. Um, uh, what, what we now see is a move by the agency to potentially regulate the post, um, the Mm. post agreement relationship. And, you know, that, uh, is a whole different ball of wax and it comes from Mm -hmm. a totally new, you know, the FTC is broken into different divisions. Um, the, the disclosure areas, um, you know, comes out of the consumer protection area of the, of the agency. Um, the Obama, I mean, excuse me, the Biden administration has made this uh, cross-agency, um, this competitiveness agenda. Um, and under the rubric of the competitiveness agenda, 
this request for information that the FTC released uh, three weeks ago is uh, is calling for um, you know responses to these seventy six questions um, around the their this is their words not mine the perceived imbalance in mm. um, the franchise relationship um, and also that imbalances impacts not just on franchise boards and franchisees but on employees so. You know, this is um, something that, you know, the industry needs to wake up to um, and recognize that, uh, you know, one, we need a collective um, and concerted response to this to demonstrate that the industry is, um, that, that there is not something that's systemic and broken. There are, there are bad franchisors out there and there are bad franchisees out there and there are bad suppliers out there and mm-hmm. they need to be held accountable, right? And the and government at the federal and the state level you know, need to use the tools they have at their disposal, um, you know, to address that. Um, but disclosure and transparency in the pre-sale process is the best way, in my view, and I think in the IFA's view, you know, to address um, things on the front end. Um, and there are certainly ways that we can improve the existing uh, disclosure regime um, that we have in uh, today. And so that, um, to me, is uh, probably a a, a emerging but um, significant issue that um, I don't the the franchise legal community is very dialed into this at the moment. I don't think that the franchisee community and the 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 vast majority of the franchise or community are as dialed into that as they need to be. Um, so I appreciate the opportunity to you know get that on your audience's radar and uh, you know acknowledge that the IFA is uh, here to assist um, or discuss. Uh, ways that franchisors and franchisees uh, can help uh, support a, a collective response uh, to the agency because what they truly are looking for is information. Mm-hmm. Um, while it appears they um, have a perspective um, in mind, the only way to sort of challenge that conventional wisdom that the agency you know has is with information and with data, um, and exactly. you know that's what that's what we need to do. Exactly. Well, in light of Everything we've discussed, what is one piece of advice you would give to franchisors at this point in time? I think the best piece of advice I give to franchisors is make sure your franchisees are, you know, profitable um, and that you're not growing too fast that you can't support your existing franchisees. Fantastic. You and I are singing from the same hymnal, I can tell you, because that's one of the things that, you know, at FranNet, we watch very carefully is if they're growing beyond their ability to support the franchisees, it's a red flag. You know, if they can't get them open and then get them profitable, there's uh, no reason to really continue selling them. Yeah, that's right. I mean, a business that uh, is franchising, you know, really should be generating revenue and profit from uh, royalties, not from yep. franchise sales. I mean, that's that's the simplest way that I can put it. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Matt, I just can't thank you enough for your time and for your knowledge and for your commitment to our industry. They're all appreciated. And as an organization, FranNet appreciates all you do for our industry on a day-to-day basis. Well, I appreciate you, Jana, and I've learned a lot from you over the years and appreciate all that you and your uh, your whole system do to support the organization and the franchise. Well, thank you, Matt. And thank you to everyone who took time out of their day to listen to this episode of Just Jana. We will see you on the next episode, and I hope everyone is having a great start to their spring. 